Um, if you do have a Bible with you, or you could reach the one in the, um, the seat back in front of you, go to Genesis 3, please. We're going to be in verses 16 to 19 um, for a while uh, this morning. So um, you can go ahead and turn over there, Genesis chapter 3. Um, let me do, uh, let's go ahead and read the text when you get there, and, um, and then we'll do a little review as to where we are in our study on faith and work, um, uh, because we did, we did take a week off last week, so just a, a quick review here in a second. Um, would we have a volunteer to go ahead and read? It's up on the screen, right? Yep, you can just read it for us yeah, from go. there. To, to the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to you, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Thank you very much. So, just a quick review, since again we were off last week. Um, we are in, I think, week six now of our study through... Um, just a consideration of faith and work, how our faith shapes how we work. And in the first couple weeks, we talked about the why and the how behind work. Um, and Paul brought out of Genesis chapter 1 for us the reality that the very beginning of divine revelation that we get from God, we see God at work. And then later in chapter 1, we see that we are made in his image, and so we're commissioned to work just like he does. And then in our second week, we talked about how we're to approach our work, and that is with the same, um, the same approach that God had from the very beginning, and that is to approach our work with the, with the desire and with the, with, the, um, with the goal of producing flourishing in, the, in creation. Um, a sense of wholeness and shalom is what our goal is. Um, but then for the, for the last couple weeks before... Um, uh, our friends from Gospel Peace Church were here last week. We had really discussed um, the, the effects of sin on work because that's what we deal with on a daily basis over and over and over again. And so in our first week when we were talking through um, uh, even Genesis 3, we're, gonna be, we're, we're obviously back there today, um, uh, Paul talked us through the fact that um, because of the presence of sin in the world, we now have, uh, we often default to this idea that there is a secular and sacred work divide. And so there is good work, there is, there is sacred work, the work of maybe vocational ministry, and you can fill in the blank on what that would look like, um, but then anything else is secular, and we may have even referred to it as that. Well, I, ha I work a secular job. Um, but that's not the conception that, that God gives us from the very beginning. Um, and Paul Paul talked us through that and, and how all work, because we're made in God's image, because we, are, um, we have been commissioned to be his, uh, you could say, his vice regents in this world, we are, we are all given the sacred um, opportunity to work. It's all sacred. All legitimate work is, is coming from the fact that we are made in the image of God. 
And then the week after, we, we talked, though, about how, our tendency, how we have the tendency to find our identity in our work. Um, and really, the, the story of the Tower of Babel um, is a microcosm of what man has done ever since the, the fall, which obviously we're going to talk about for a few minutes today. Um, it's a microcosm of what man has done since the fall, and that is try to find our identity or um, our sense of self-worth independent of God and really tie it to the work of our hands, what we can do. Um, and we, we constantly are battling that, the tendency to say, well, I do this. Um, I am, um, I'm a craftsman. I am a uh, doctor. I'm a nurse. I am a mom. I am a, um, you know, fill in the blank. We find our identity in that. And what the gospel constantly does is bring us back to the reality that, that our identity is in Christ and that no job that you have, lose, um, aspire to can do anything to change your status in Christ. It can't improve it. It can't take away from it. Today, we're going to talk about another, um, another uh, aspect of what the fall has done to our work, and that is, and it's like the most um, uplifting title, um, what it's done is it's, it's put us into a cycle of futility, and you feel it. You, I mean, if we go around the room, if we had enough time to spend, where we just kind of commiserate about all of the futility of our work that we confronted this past week, we could come up with a bunch of examples. I'll ask for some here in just a couple minutes, but we're going to talk about the fact that um, this is a reality that we are up against, and the text that we just read in Genesis chapter 3 reminds us of that. This isn't something that like we we're, we have a way of getting out of, <laughs> um, at least in the on this earth as it currently sits until Jesus makes all things new, which we'll get there. Um, we are in this cycle of constantly battling futility. Found this quote this week: "Dusting is a good example of the futility of trying to put things right. As soon as you dust, has anybody dusted this week? <laughs> More than once. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well then." You just lived it. As soon as you dust, the fact of your nest, next dusting has already been established. <laughs> you you felt that this week um, in probably a number of ways. I know um, this is one of those. Have you ever thought about that? You get out of bed in the morning. Um, I'm sure we have some non-bed makers here. You don't have to raise your hand. You might be proud of it. Um, and then there are those of us who are fastidious bed makers, like this is, this must be done, first thing I do in the morning. But have you ever thought about that? Like, as you're making the bed, you're just realizing, I'm going to mess this thing up and again in about, mm, you know, 14 to 16 hours, and then I'm going to do it all over again, and all over again. Thankfully, we're coming to the end of this season. I, some of you may find mowing your lawn uh, cathartic, or you enjoy it. I hate it, um, Joel knows that I count down the number of mows that I have left in the year before I can put the lawnmower away and never look at it again. Well, not look at it again until the spring. Um, but again, you, you, you mow your yard and you look out there the next day and it's already fighting back against you. And you're, oh, not again. Um, can you, does anybody know what that is? The first what? First iPhone, iPhone first, like I don't, some of us are like, what? I don't even remember that it used to look like that. Can you imagine being part of the product team that built the first iPhone? 
And now just realizing that everybody looks at that and it's like, ooh, that's outdated. That doesn't do anything that I, uh, that I think it should do anymore. And what version of iPhone are we on now? 12? Uh, I thought we were still on 11. Oh, that perfect example. Fut futility. It, you, you stood in line for the iPhone 5. You stood in a four-hour long line. That thing's a piece of junk now. Totally worthless. Um, does anybody know what that bridge is called? This is the fourth bridge. It's the perfect metaphor for futility, and this is, this is a bridge in Scotland. Up until, I think, about 10 years ago, this bridge had to be constantly repainted, I think for like over 100 years. Every time they would paint it, as soon as they finished this bridge, they had to start over again. So they would paint, 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 like, I don't know how long, months and months and months. They'd get done and have to start at the other end of the bridge and repaint it again over and over and over. <laughs> Groundhog Day. It just It's like the perfect, and I, I looked it up because I had heard about this, and somebody said it's the perfect metaphor for futility. Every person in Scotland knows that bridge because it was just this endless cycle of fighting back against all of the corrosion that would happen. I think they came up with um, a substance to paint it with that gets them, I think, 25 years until they have to do it again, so that, that's a little bit better. But again, it's still futile. Um, Genesis 3 points this out to us, and it lets us know this is a reality that you're up against. You're not, you're not a fatalist when you look at your work and go, man, I feel like I just did this yesterday and the day before, <laughs> and it doesn't seem to ever go away. Think about some of what, um, what we have here. As, after, as God is talking to Adam, after he tells Eve, you're, I'm going to multiply your pain in childbearing. That's the result of your sin. To Adam, he speaks specifically about work. He says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat it. First of all, cursed is the ground. The ground from now on is broken. It's not the ground that you've experienced in Eden to this point that pr produced flourishing, multiplied um, plants, vegetation that was all perfect. Instead, the ground going forward is broken because of you. Then he says, in pain you shall eat of it. I've heard the, the phrase, uh, you, you achieve something through blood, sweat, and tears. That's, that's only partially hyperbolic. Our work produces blood, sweat, and tears. And God says that's how it's going to be. That's what, you're, that's what work's going to look like for, for you. And he says it's going to look like that all the days of your life. And then he says thorns and thistles will come up. You think of being a, a farmer, and, or maybe you just keep a garden in your backyard. You, you have to spend a a ridiculous amount of time, number one, tilling the soil, then planting the seeds, then watering those seeds, um, continuing to cultivate that earth around it. And you really hope that whatever you planted in that ground comes up the way you want it to. It comes up and actually produces uh, uh, the vegetation you're hoping for. And it always seems like that's the hard part. Easily what springs up around it, though, are all of the weeds, the thorns and the thistles that you never asked for. You didn't ask for any of these to come up. They just are happy to produce themselves for you. And God tells Adam, because of your sin, that's just how it's going to be. 
you're never going to get away from it. Thorns and thistles will come up, and um, there's nothing you can do about it. And you shall eat the plants of of the field. Then he says, by the sweat of your face, work will be a constant source of exertion and exhaustion for you. So even as you're, you're getting to appreciate some of the, the fruit of your labor and maybe even enjoy it a little bit, you're going to be sweating while you do it. <laughs> and then you got to go do it all over again. And then he says, and you'll eat that bread till you return to the ground. Till you're dead. <laughs> Everybody excited? It's like, oh, I got, you got me thinking about Monday again. Mondays are Mondays in part because of this. Think about that. You, you, it's everybody, it's like, ah, it's, yeah, no, hey, we're going to get to the non-depressing part. But think about, like, this is something we, this is a reality that we have to deal with. So what do we do with it? Anybody have any examples this week of, your, of the futility of your work that you'd like to share for our mutual edification? At my place of work, we're going through 2021 uh, budget planning. That's a, that's a joy. Um, and I just think about, man, every year, this time of year, and it seems to get earlier in the year. It's like, it used to be we'd start talking about this in December. Now it's, we're late if we're talking about it in September. And it's like, we got to go through this all over again. The money's going to get spent. It's going to go out the door. Hopefully it gets us a return that we're hoping for, but we've still got to keep doing it. Any, any, of you, uh, any of you moms find yourself sweeping the same floor an hour after you just swept it, and you're like, how did this even get dirty again? We haven't even been in here, and it's filthy again. Yeah, we're all battling this, and it is depressing, Julie. I am fully with you. That's right. Yeah, we get to eat the bread, but half of it ends up on the ground, and then we got to sweep it up again. We talked the week before last, in terms of results of the fall, we talked a lot about the spiritual effects of it, the shame that's produced, and we see it just in the preceding text to, to verses 16 to 19 that we're in. Um, as soon as Adam and Eve sin, what do they recognize? That they are, they're naked. They realize that for the first time. So shame comes into play for the first time. They're, they now are, there's a fear of being exposed, not only, not only outwardly, physically, where they recognize they were naked, now entering into the world is this sense of, I can never measure up, and I don't want to expose any potential part of myself to other people because they're going to think less of me. So shame enters the world. Guilt and the desire to prove ourselves enters the world too. You see that in your workplace all day long. You see that just in your, in your personal life all day long. The tendency to want to let other people know I'm, I'm good enough or let yourself know that. The, crave, the craving of approval from others too. Where we look at others and we say, I really want them to think better of me. And, and we saw that in, in the story of the table of Tower of Babel where uh, we try to find our identity in our work because it can often produce that for us. It can produce the sense that, um, that others approve of my work and so they approve of me. Um, it, what also comes, though, into play is the mistrust and the fear of others. Where now the people I work with, the people I see in my neighborhood, maybe my, even my own family, I'm, I'm fearful of how they might take advantage of me. And then every time we are taken advantage of or any time we are uh, mistreated, it just often cements more and more that feeling in our hearts that we, I gotta look out for myself. 
We see Adam and Eve do that right away as soon as they've sinned. When God is walking in the, in the cool of the day in the garden and he's calling for them, finally gets them to come out and, and admit what they've done, but then, um, but then Adam blames Eve and Eve blames the, blames the serpent. It's like, well, Adam, well, <laughs> woman that you gave me. Um, and Eve's like, well, the serpent... And we look at them and we go, how, how obvious can you be? Like, you, you know you did wrong. And the first thing you do, it's like you're a two-year-old. But then we do the exact same thing. When you don't finish a project on time for work, it's like, well, if product would have helped me out, we could have gotten it done on time. Um, if so-and-so would have actually done his or her job, we would, we, would have, we would have delivered this when we were supposed to. Those are often, though, like the spiritual dynamics, and we saw that when we looked at the Tower of Babel. But in this text, we're looking at it from a physical standpoint, and we're looking at it from, like, the ground. God says, I'm gonna, the, the ground from now on, this earth is broken. It doesn't work right from now on. There's going to be a, a futile aspect to all of your work. Then on top of that, you're also going to experience frequent fruitlessness. Have you ever poured a ton of time into to a project? just to find it that it doesn't, it doesn't actually do what you thought it should. Um, uh, my mom's here visiting us, helping us with the kids as Joel and I were away a couple days this weekend. They have a guy in their church who builds um, cameras for um, the, 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 the spacecraft that is going to Mars right now. I think it's in, in flight right now. I think it's in flight for like six months. He builds the cameras uh, for all of the pictures that'll be taken, but it's got to fly for months before he ever turns those on. Can you imagine the fear in that guy's heart for these months where he knows as soon as that day comes where he's got to f- turn those on, what if they don't work? How awful would that be? Let me keep flipping that switch. Oh, no. Oh. Let me jiggle the handle a little bit and hopefully it turns on. Can you imagine? Well, We've all been in that place where it's like you put a ton of work into either somebody or some project and you find this didn't do anything, of, anything close to what I, I thought it would do. That was a waste of my time. Aspiration and then disappointment. How many of us have, have aspired to maybe a different role in life, a different career, uh, it, it, reaching a certain goal, and then we're disappointed because we don't get to actually make it? How many of you actually are using the degree that you graduated from college with? <laughs> Two, three. Hey, that's great. We actually have a few. Most people, you, you know, you have these conversations all the time. You're like, why did I even learn that? I don't even use it for anything. Um, we aspire to be something and then we turn into something else. And sometimes it's, we find that it's better and a lot of times we're like, wow. I didn't even think about that. I went to school for this. I spent a ton of money. I'm still in debt because of this, and I don't even use it for anything. Unfair systems. You find this at work. Um, you find this uh, just in, in everyday life, but particularly when, when we think about work, um, there's the tendency for certain people who know certain people to get promotions and to be paid more than, than you are. You can work really, really hard. You can be great at your job, but because somebody else knows the CEO, they get promoted. Um, human error. <laughs> We're all prone to this, but you often have been the, um, the recipients of those around you at work who just blew it, and then you look bad, or you can't deliver on a promise that you made. 
Um, and then I, I would say this one's a, a big one. Do you ever feel like, I'm never going to finish, I'm never actually going to get to the finished product that I'm going for? I always feel like I'm just falling short. Um, in the book that we've referenced a few times, Every Good Endeavor, Tim Keller tells the story of, um, of J.R.R. Tolkien, the author of The Lord of the Rings. He also wrote another short story called Leaf by Niggle. Um, not very well known. Has anybody ever read that? It's a r- short story. And it's all about this painter who is a, who's a great artist, but the, the fact is he works really, really slowly. So he has in his mind this great conception of a beautiful tree that he wants to paint uh, for his city. But he works so slowly and deliberately that he only finishes one leaf, and then he dies. So he finishes one leaf for this entire tree, and you know everybody's looking at him like, you're a total failure. Um, and the, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a happier ending to the story, but that'll take too long to talk through. But the, the whole concept is everybody's looking at him going, you were supposed to finish this beautiful tree, you never finished, and so your life is kind of wasted. Ever feel like you're kind of running, running against time trying to get to some goal in life that you don't think you'll get to? Those are all results of the fall. So what's our answer to that? Where do we kind of get to the good part of the story? This is a mantra that I've seen creep up. It, it, um, who was it? The Baltimore Ravens uh, last year, midway through their season, they were having a great season, and the quarterback, Lamar Jackson, walked into a press conference, and they, they were all about, like, how are you doing so well? Like, how are you having so much success? And he walks in with a T-shirt on that says this, and now it's kind of exploded. A lot of people use this. Nobody cares, work harder. <laughs> Does that make you feel better, Julie? <laughs> Nobody cares, work harder. Does, is, this, is this where we should go? A lot, of, a lot of our society looks at this, and that's like, that's almost motivational. <laughs> Nobody cares, just work harder. Well, why? If everything's futile, okay, nobody cares, and I know it's futile. Why in the world would I work harder? Why would I do this? Why would I put myself through um, all of this, um, all of this, all of these blood, sweat, all of this blood, sweat, and tears without anybody noticing, caring, or caring, and I never get to my finished product? Well, thankfully, God has some better answers for us. What I do want to walk through here are some examples or some, some scriptures that God gives us to point out that, um, that number one, encourage us um, with a longer view of our work, but then also encourage us while we're in the middle of it. Because what God never does is tell us that right now, everything's going to get great at some point. It's not like you're going to reach some age in your life where everything's perfect. It's not like you're going to reach some level in your career where now the futility goes away and it's happily ever after. God doesn't ever promise that right now. But what he does do throughout Scripture is, number one, give us glimpses into how uh, work can be uh, a joy now. You can actually enjoy it, um, knowing full well, though, that that joy that is fleeting. But then at the same time, he gives us a longer view to say, hey, not only... Can you find little joys, glimpses of joy now? Every one of those is pointing to a deeper, greater reality that that we'll experience uh, in eternity. 
So just a few of these as we finish. Enjoy the fruit that you do see. If, you, if we were to go back to Genesis 3, um, 16 to 19, we would see that God does say, you will eat the plants of the field, or you will eat bread. And I think what, he, what he's saying there is, there are, there, it's not going to be totally fruitless. Your life isn't going to be totally futile. Don't, don't become a, um, uh, a fatalist, where we just go, well, none of it matters. Throw in the towel, this is pointless. There's no, there's no use doing any of this. He says, you will eat the plants of the field. So enjoy the fruit that you do see in your life. If we can't enjoy the, the, the glimpses of um, fruitfulness that you get from your work, you're going to be constantly miserable. And it would be one thing if God never told us to do this, but he does. Um, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and we could point to multiple examples in Ecclesiastes, but in Ecclesiastes 5, 18 through 20, he says, look for enjoyment uh, particularly in your work. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all of the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. What, what the preacher um, says in Ecclesiastes is whether you have a little bit as a result of your work or, or whether you're wealthy because of your work, either way, find enjoyment in it because that's actually a gift that God has given you. And back to the first point, you will enjoy fruit. It's not all going to be fruitful. It will feel like Groundhog Day sometimes, but if we constantly skip over and we're constantly looking past the little gifts that God gives us as a result of our work, we're going to be constantly um, dissatisfied. We're going to be constantly miserable because we can't see God's good hand. A cup of coffee in the morning is a good gift from God. Enjoy it. A party with friends at the end of a workday is a good gift from God. Don't look at that as futile. Don't look at that as something, well, you know, I like to have fun, but I don't think God really wants me to have any. No, that's good. God is giving you those good gifts. They're constant reminders of, number one, his goodness to you now, even in the midst of the futility and the brokenness of this world. But then it's also a, a pointing forward to the, the party that we will one day have with him for eternity. So, Look for enjoyment in your work because it is there. When you're working with a team to produce some type of service or some type of product and you get to the end of it and you get it completed, encourage those around you that you guys produce something good, something that served others, something that promoted flourishing, whether, you, um, whether you're in retail and you're, you're providing goods, and, goods for people or whether that you're in a service industry and you are providing folks access to funds that they need in order to maybe purchase a home or, or, or purchase something else in their lives that they need. Maybe you're, um, you're in the medical field and you're helping people with their, with their health. Maybe you're a recruiter and you're finding ways to connect people who don't have work with work in their lives. Those are all good things. Take enjoyment in that because those are gifts from God. And take joy in every cup of coffee that you're drinking along the way. <laughs>
Follow Jesus in serving others with your work. That ties right into the previous point. Ephesians 4.28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The work itself can be enjoyable, and you can find joy in that. The, res- the personal results and gratification from your work should be enjoyable to you, and the ability to serve others as a result of your work should be, you should be able to find enjoyment as well. If you're a mom and you're taking care of, of children all day long, there's, a, there's plenty to, to get discouraged about. <laughs> there's plenty to find futile, uh, futility in that floor that never seems to be clean. But you're also, you are also infusing um, uh, the love of Jesus into the lives of your children, and that's going to bear fruit for generations. That's not just going to bear fruit in their lives. That's going to bear fruit in your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren's lives as well. And that's all a result of you taking a perspective of work that isn't, that isn't merely selfish. It's now, how am I going to invest this in others? And then finally, and this is the long-term that, uh, view that God um, calls us to, and that is that Jesus says he is making all things new. This is the really great news, because we know this world is not the way it's supposed to be. We know that that's the case, and Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 5, he says, and this is, this is the vision of the new heaven and the, the new earth the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Every glimpse of of joy, gratification, satisfaction, glory that we see in our work is a little taste of Jesus making all things new. And that can give us so much uh, motivation. It's not, nobody cares, work harder. That's a terrible slogan for life. Behold, I'm making all things new. That can infuse your Monday with a whole lot of joy. Because you know every step I'm taking, even though creation is actively fighting back at me. (laughs) Even though I am constantly feeling like I'm banging my head against a wall the fruit that you do see, the enjoyment that you gain from your work, the opportunity to serve others is all pointing to a greater reality, and that's Jesus making all things new. So, so take great joy in that this week, um, because we are fighting against futility. That's a reality. But um, there is going to be a day when our, our, our work, and we're not going to stop working. Like we've said, we've been made for this. But can you imagine a day when our work is completely fruitful. And we're going to be able to do work, fill in the blank of what that looks like. We're going to be able to do work, and it all turns out the way it's supposed to. And that is, that'll be a good day. And I think we'll still have coffee. All right, let's pray, and then we'll be done. Lord, thank you that um, you give us good gifts, and one of those good gifts is work, even in the face of futility. Um, you let us enjoy our work. You let us, you, you let us experience fruitfulness. Um, you let us enjoy work with others. You let us serve others through our work. And you point us to the reality that Jesus is making all things new. And thank you for that. 
take us into this week with that reality, whether we're working around the house and fighting back futility, whether we're serving our, our children and fighting back against what seems to be a, an endless process of frustration at times, whether we're working a, on a job site, working with a client, um, uh, serving people who are ungrateful for our service, fill in the blank, help us to constantly remember these truths that you give us from your word, and they're all rooted in the fact that Jesus is going to fix creation completely. And we're his, and we get, we will, we get to look forward to that, and we will enjoy it for eternity. And we pray these things through his name. Amen.